Hey everyone, welcome back to Heretical. I know I've been gone for a week. I've been using that week to set up my new audio equipment and hopefully you can tell it sounds a lot better than it did before. But welcome back to the podcast. I'm starting a new series on the topic of worship. And honestly, this is one of my favorite topics to discuss. And I think it's a very important topic to discuss because as much as we use the word worship in Christian circles, I think so many of us are missing the point. I know I've personally missed the point of worship for so long. And so I think it's important to go into scripture and see what does the scripture actually say about worship. And so my hope is that this series will encourage you, that will help you look at worship in a new way, that will maybe take some of the pressure off if you're one of those people like me who feels like not worshipful during a worship service sometimes. Uh, Hopefully it'll encourage you and just give you new eyes to see what God is doing during worship. And so the plan for this series is this first episode is going to be more encouragement, inspirational, talking about worship in general and what is worship supposed to look like. And then the next episode, we're going to talk about worship in the Old Testament. What is What does worship look like in the Torah or the Law of Moses? What does it look like in the prophetic writings and the rest of the Old Testament? And we'll be building this biblical theology of how does God progressively reveal the doctrine of this subject of worship throughout uh, the history of his people. And then the episode after that, we'll look at worship in the New Testament and do the same thing there. And then we'll talk about worship in our modern age. What is that supposed to look like? How can we take these biblical principles and apply it to some of the controversial topics today, like people debating about, should we do traditional worship or contemporary worship? Should we sing hymns or modern songs? Or is there a place for hip hop in a worship service? You know, that's even a topic of discussion we'll get into. And then the final episode, so hoping to do five episodes in this series, but the final episode will tackle one of the most controversial topics in this subject of worship. And that is, can we sing songs from Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation, Maverick City? Because there are a lot of people out there that say, no, you can't sing songs from those groups. Those groups are, to those people, those groups don't reflect Christian doctrine very well. And so those people say, no, you can't just sing them at all. Others see no problem with it. And then there's people in the middle who are like, well, I don't, do, I don't agree with all their teaching, but I don't think we can be banned from singing those songs. And so we'll do, discuss all those views. I'll share my view. And it actually might surprise you. It might be more interesting than you would expect. So that's sort of the roadmap for this series. And I'm super excited to jump into it. And so today we're going to talk about just worship in general. What is worship and what do we see from scripture about what worship is supposed to be like? And so I want to start with some modern misconceptions of worship. There's a lot of talk, like I said earlier, there's a lot of talk about what worship is, what people think it is, and we always have to break down these cultural misconceptions in order to get to what does the Bible truly say. We have to look at our own thoughts, look at the way we interpret this issue, and then reinterpret it in light of Scripture. So I want to talk about some modern misconceptions of worship. Number one is that we often equate worship with Christian music. We sort of use the term synonymously. We, Whatever Christian songs there are out there, we call that worship. And there is a lot of Christian music that is good worship, but worship is not just music. Worship is not just synonymous with Christian music. There is a lot of Christian music out there that is not necessarily worshipful. It's not bad necessarily. A lot of it is inspirational and uplifting, 
but it's often more focused on us than on God. And so Christian music is not worship in and of itself. And music itself, worship does not just consist of music. It's actually a much more holistic lifestyle thing than a lot of people think. So that's the first misconception. We often equate worship with Christian music. The second misconception is that we limit worship to segmented parts of our week. So a lot of times we go into church on Sunday, maybe we'll worship in the car on the way there, we'll worship at sort of a midweek worship service, but we limit our worship to those days we think, oh, we have to be in this congregation, we have to have a worship crew leading us in worship, and that's worship, and that's you know maybe an hour or two each week, and we limit our worship to that. But what we're going to see in this episode is that worship is something that should be going on every part of our week. And so the third misconception I want to mention is that we think worship should make us feel good. And this one actually isn't totally incorrect. If you are worshiping God, if you are putting him in the place he deserves to be put in, if you are focusing your eyes on God, well, it should lighten your spirits. Like if you are focusing on the most wonderful, beautiful object in all of the universe, that is God Almighty, it should make you happy. It should make you joyful. But I think a lot of people make this the goal. They want to feel that feeling. They want to get that sort of spiritual high during worship. And not that that's a bad thing, but that's not the ultimate goal of worship. And we'll talk about what the ultimate goal is in just a minute. And the final misconception I want to mention is that we mistakenly assume outward positions indicate heart posture. Now, all I mean by that is it's easy to look at a worship leader on stage. Maybe they're raising their hands in worship. Maybe they're jumping and dancing. Maybe they're on their knees. Maybe you see people lying out on the floor. And there can be this tendency to think that those people are more spiritual. Or maybe you're the opposite way. You think they're just a bunch of hysterical, dramatic, crazy people. Um, and I've definitely fallen into, into that camp as well. Um, but we can mistakenly think that these outward positions are an indication of what's in their heart. And the truth is we don't know. There are some people that are very dramatic in worship and that may be a real reflection of what's in their heart. They may be more spiritual or they may just be dramatic. Maybe they were raised up in a church that had those sorts of expressions of worship and so they're more used to that. Whereas you may have a person who's standing totally still and the the reaction may be, the inclination may be to think that they're not very spiritual or they're not feeling much. But that person may be experiencing more closeness with God than anyone else in the service. And so we can't just assume based on outward positions what the heart posture truly is. And so now that we've looked at those misconceptions, I want to talk about what is true worship? What is true worship? And as always, the Bible must be our standard. The Bible has to be our guide through this subject. That has to be where we get our information, where we develop our worldview for worship. And so let's talk about the word itself. Where does the word worship come from? And you'll hear worship leaders and pastors say this phrase a lot. They'll often say that the term worship comes from the words worth and ship. So in other words, it has the word worth in it. It's about ascribing ultimate worth to God. It's about recognizing God for who he is. God is worthy. He is the most worthy being in all the universe. And so worship is just putting him in his place. It's giving him the glory he deserves. It's giving him the honor and praise that he deserves just for being who he is. God is the most worthy, and our worship should reflect that. And so I want to bring out seven characteristics 
about worship. And we're going to support all of these with scripture, but seven characteristics about what worship is. Number one is that God is the object of worship. God is the object of worship. And this seems very obvious. It seems very straightforward. But we always have to keep that in mind. I know for me personally, a lot of times during a worship service, I can tend to be focused on myself. I can tend to think, oh, am I doing this right? Am I worshiping? Am I truly feeling the things I'm supposed to be feeling during this worship service? But whenever I shift my focus to God and focus on Him, all of those worries go away. And I actually enjoy myself in worship so much more when my focus is on God and not myself. And we're going to support this with a verse in Exodus chapter 20. But I also want to bring out a second point that we're going to support with the same verses. And that that is that worship is based on the character and works of God. Worship is based on the character and works of God. So in other words, it is a response. It's responsive to what God has done and just who he is in general. So Exodus 20, 1 through 7, this is after God has done so many mighty miracles in bringing his people out of the land of Egypt. And he brings them, after all the ten plagues, after the splitting the seas, he brings them into the wilderness and begins to give them this law. And so Exodus 20 is about the Ten Commandments that he gives them. So in verse 1 it says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And so this is sort of talking about the reason for the first three commandments, why God is worthy of worship, why he is the only God to be worshiped. And, and look at what he says in that first verse, his, his basis for why they should have no other gods before me. Before he even says that first commandment, he says, I am the Lord, your God. So this is based on his character. This is based on who he is. And he says, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, so God has done this mighty, miraculous work for them. He has brought them out of slavery. He has brought them into freedom. He had done what no one else could do for them. And on that basis, and on the basis of the fact that he is God, that he is Yahweh, that he is self-existent, that he is eternal, on the basis of his character and his works, what he has done, they are to worship him, and they are to worship no other. So not only is God the object of worship, but this worship should be based on the character and the works of God. In other words, it is responsive. So those are the first two things I want to examine about worship. The third thing I want to look at is this fact. Worship demands the totality of our being. In other words, it involves every part of us. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So this involves everything we are, every part of our being, every part of our mind, our body. All of it is to be used for loving the Lord our God. Romans 12.1 also speaks to this theme. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So a living sacrifice. So in other words, they're giving themselves completely over to God. If you think about Old Testament sacrifices, this animal would be completely slaughtered and burned up and presented to God as an offering. And so in the same way, we are supposed to give ourselves totally over to God. Nothing can be held back. We can't hold any part of our being, any of our possessions. We can't hold any of that from God. All of it is to be given as a living sacrifice. And Paul says that is your spiritual act of worship. There's a quote from a theologian named Abraham Kuyper that I really like that speaks to this subject. He says, quote, Oh, not a single bit of our world of thought can be hermetically sealed off from the rest. And there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. Let me read that again. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. In other words, Jesus Christ demands all of us, like every single part of our being belongs to him. He says, that is mine. That belongs to me. We can't hold any of it off from Jesus. We can't hold any of it back from Jesus because he is sovereign, because he is the Lord, because he deserves every part of us. So worship demands the totality of our being. The next thing I want to look at is that worship is service. Now, when we look at the Greek word that's sometimes translated as worship, and this is far from being the only word, but it's one word that stands out to me, is the Greek word latruo, which is often translated as worship, but even more than that, it's translated as the word serve. We see this in Acts 13, 2, where it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then it says in Acts 24, 14, it says, But I confess this to you, this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. And so in both cases where it uses the word worship, it uses this word latruo, which is often translated as serve. And so this idea of serving God is worship. Worship looks like serving and obeying God. God. And I want to look at the throughout the New Testament, there is this term of being a servant of Christ. And we see it numerous times in scriptures. One specific instance is in 1 Timothy 4, 6, where Paul tells Timothy to be a good servant of Christ. So we see this theme throughout scripture that we are supposed to be servants of Christ. And that's what it looks like to worship him. Worship is service. So next, and we're sort of getting to the end. I wonder if I miscounted these things because I've done four of them. God is the object of worship. Worship is based on the character and works of God. Worship demands all of us. Worship is service. So that's what? That's four right there. And I've got, oh, three more. So I didn't miscount. There are seven. Seven's a good number. So the next thing I want to say is that worship is obedience. Worship is obedience. We can say we love worship. We can talk about, we love singing those songs on Sunday or singing throughout our week. But if we are not obeying God, we do not truly worship him. In 1 John 5, 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I love that phrase, his commandments are not burdensome. Like God is not trying to make life hard for us. He's not trying to frustrate us or 
do these things in order to annoy us. No, his commandments are for our good. They're not burdensome. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But this says that the love of God is that we keep his commandments. If we truly love God, if we truly place him as Lord of our lives, as being worthy, we will keep his commandments. So obedience is worship. Worship is obedience. This is going to be the penultimate uh, point I want to bring up, but worship must be done in truth. Worship must be truth. In John 4.24, it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so this was part of a conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well, where she says that their fathers, their ancestors worshiped on such and such mountain, whereas the Jews said you're supposed to worship on this other mountain. And so she's asking Jesus about that discrepancy. And he tells her that there's going to be a day when they won't worship on either of the mountains. And he says that God is spirit and that those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So there's going to be this day when people worship Christ everywhere. And we see that day to day. There's no one specific place we have to travel in order to worship and experience God. We can do that anywhere because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. But Jesus makes the comment that we must worship him not only in spirit, but in truth. So worship has to be true. And this is very relevant when we talk about controversial worship songs. Are the songs we are singing true? There's this phrase that we sing our theology. And what that means is that we, we remember these worship songs. Like It may be hard to remember what a pastor spoke last week. Like I can't even remember the sermon from last week from my pastor. I can't remember a single point about it. But I remember the worship songs, like those stick in your head. And so we sing our theology. These worship songs become ingrained in us. They become part of who we are. And so we want to make sure if we're singing them that much, if they're taking up that much real estate in our mind, they must be true. We have to make sure that they're true and that they're not teaching us false doctrine, which is why it's always important to look at the songs you're singing and say, does this line up with scripture? Because worship must be done in truth. And finally, I want to look at this fact. Worship is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 3.3 says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. It can be very easy to try to worship in our own ability, to try to find inside of ourselves this ability to focus on God and to worship quote-unquote correctly. But that's the wrong focus. Worship is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, who empowers us to worship God and to glory in Christ Jesus. Because the Spirit gives glory to Jesus Christ. That's one of his roles is that he exalts and illuminates Jesus Christ in our eyes. And so this worship is only, power, only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so... After all that theology, I want to give some practical applications for everyday worship. What does worship look like on a daily basis, and how can we use these scriptures to improve our worship life? So first of all, I want to tell you to fix your eyes on God. As I said earlier, there I've had this struggle with trying to worship correctly, trying to you know feel the right feelings towards God to magnify Him in my life, and it just drives me crazy because it's a self-word focus. Even though I'm focused on trying to glorify God and do it correctly, 
I'm end up focusing on myself. But once I forget about all that, when I focus my eyes on him and just think about how glorious he is, what wonderful gifts he has given me, what he's done through the gospel and sending Jesus Christ to die for my sin, raising him from the dead and saving me when I had faith and repented. When I think of that, like it takes all the focus off of me and I become so much happier. I become so much more joyful and worship because my focus is on him. So I want to tell you, fix your eyes on God. Don't worry about worshiping correctly. Just focus on him. And next, I want to tell you, remember what God has done and who he is. As we said at the beginning, worship is based on the character and works of God. So remember what he's done in your life. Remember the things he's brought you through, the prayers he's answered. And remember what he's done for his people in scripture. Remember all the amazing things he's done in the lives of others. And just think about who he is, the glory of a God who is self-existent, who needs no one, who doesn't depend on anyone else. Think of how glorious and wonderful he is. And when you fix your eyes on God and remember what he's done, your worship will improve by leaps and bounds. Next, I want to say, see every day as a time for worship. Don't limit yourself. Like, Don't think of it as one part of your week. See everything you do as worship. As we said in the opener, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So everything you do is worship. Like you sitting here listening to this podcast should be done in worship to God. You driving on your commute. It may not seem spiritual, but that is an act of worship. When you're at your work, you are worshiping God. Everything is supposed to be worship. And so I also want to add on to that. Do only those things that would seem appropriate as worship to a holy God. In other words, like if you're deciding whether or not you should do something, would that be appropriate as worship? Would saying that thing, would doing that activity, would watching this show, would that be appropriate as worship to a holy God? Focus on doing those things that are appropriate as worship to God. So see every day as a time for worship and see everything you do as worship. Next, I want to say, focus on serving others. Do it in his strength and see that as worship. That is one of the highest forms of worship, to serve people in the church body, to serve those who need him, serve those who are uh, dealing with all sorts of things in their life. Use that as an opportunity to worship God by serving others. I also want to say, pursue holiness and obedience in his power. God calls us to live holy lives. He calls us to be separate from the world. And so obey him, pursue holiness, because that's what true worship looks like. And the sixth thing I want to say is fill your mind with the truth of scripture. Listen to songs that are scriptural. As you begin to fill your mind with that, as that becomes the pattern that your mind works along, these patterns of scripture, you'll begin to worship God as he wants you to worship him, because there is a right way to worship, and we'll be talking about that in the next few episodes But there is a correct way to worship him. And even though I said don't focus on trying to worship him correctly, there is a correct way. But you'll begin to worship more and more in that correct way unconsciously when you see, when you fill your minds with the truth of scripture. And so I encourage you to listen to songs that are scriptural. And finally, I want to tell you, remember that you cannot do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a team effort. This is not something you can do on your own, but it's only possible in the power that the Holy Spirit gives us as he directs our focus on Christ and ignites our hearts with worship towards God. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, Thank you for 
bearing with it as I work on the audio and even as I work on becoming a better podcaster. I know I've been sort of monotone in the last few episodes, so I'm trying to, I'm just finding my rhythm right here. Like it's going to get better as it goes on, but I really appreciate you listening and hopefully you're finding something worthwhile in listening to it. So in the next episode, as I said, we'll be talking about worship in the Old Testament and going through just the entire Old Testament, seeing what does worship look like in the Old Testament? What what does God reveal in those first five books, the Torah of the Bible? What does he reveal in the prophet books, the prophetic books, and throughout? And so I'm super excited about that episode. Definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, if you don't already, follow us on at Heretical. If you don't already, follow us on social media. Follow us on Instagram and X. The handle is at Heretical Show. That's also our YouTube handle. And I'll be uploading some of our episodes up there pretty soon as well. So thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of your day. Peace.